0: I trust in
1: you. Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the unleavened bread bible study. And Father, thank you for uh giving us wisdom, discernment, direction. Thank you for what you're doing in these days, Lord. It's um great changes. Also we know there's great chastenings coming, so Thank you, Father, for giving us wisdom. Amen. All right, we're going to continue with The Dragon is Cast Down, number four. And um, we're going to start off with the revelation that we call their Safety on the Narrow Road. Claire Pinar, got this on 417.22. I... I believe this is Claire representing the bride. I dreamed I was at a beach area representing the seed of Abraham through faith, um, who are as the sands of the sea, according to the Lord. Uh, There were three changing stalls. My children were in the middle changing stall with some other children. I believe the middle changing stall represents changing our actions. Uh, Romans 13 and 14 is, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, like a garment, right? And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Okay, so like the bride's Revelation 19 revelation about her garment, which was uh, luminous, you know, We have to put on the garment of the Lord. And these children represent those who are being raised up by the bride. Um, The middle stall, uh, she said, represents the narrow path. Yes, I agree with that. And uh, Matthew 7 and 14 says, For narrow is the gate, and straightened the way that leadeth unto life, and few are they that find it. Well, Okay. The uh, changing stall on the left was completely derelict and looked like it had been bombed or abandoned. Yes, the, the world has no ability to put on Jesus, right? And these represent the goats that Jesus put on his left. They are reprobated, okay? Once inside the middle changing stall, it looked like a bunker, even though it was only a little lower than ground level by about one or two feet. It had a blue uh, shower curtain, although the water supply had been turned off. Yet we understand that. But I knew my children were already cleaned up. That's good. Praise the Lord. Um, so the changing stall on the right side had a few young kids in it, but they were crying malnourished and dirty. I was trying to help them come into the middle stall, but they would not or could not, so I stopped trying. While the stalls to the right represent those who are in bondage to apostate religion and not well-fed or sanctified, malnourished and dirty, they said, okay? And that reminded me of Hosea 4, 6. Uh, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. See, she tried, but she couldn't get through to him. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I also will forget thy children. That seems to be the case in that stall. Uh, Proverbs 2 and 23 through 27 says, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a wayward mouth, in other words, say what God says, and perverse lips uh, put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Make level the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand or to the left hand. (laughs) Remove thy foot from evil. That seems to be the case here. And then I heard enemy fire all around me, and I realized I was in a war zone. Well, that's where we're headed. (laughs) The Christians are in the midst of a war between the deep state and the alliance, right? And, of course, between God and the devil. (laughs) And so I knew I needed to retrieve something from out in the open near the water. And I told my children, I'm coming right back. They were very scared. Uh, well, the spiritual children of the bride are seeing a war that much of the world does not know. And, um, and they, they know what is coming. So much of the world don't even know there's a war going on. Okay. My oldest daughter had tears in her eyes and said, please be quick. I ran to where there were palm trees on the beach, and just as I found what I was looking for, I saw these black, red, and white fighter jets. Black, red, and white. Raining down on us. Uh, well, according to uh SidMartinBio.com, the colors of red, white, and black were chosen to reflect the philosophy of of a new nation, the principles for which it stood, its hopes and aspirations, and the nation's supreme determination to preserve the harmony and unity of spirit which underlie the cultural diversity of our people. These uh, fighter jets uh, represent the war between the deep state and the alliance. To bring uh, onto the world stage their different ideas of a new world order. Uh, whether it's uh, the Great Reset or the New Age of Aquarius, the 1,000 years of peace, right? Hmm. I realized then that I was looking for a group of people, uh, not for something. They were in SWAT clothing. Well, these are the Christians who fight for a kingdom that is not theirs. You understand? They're out there fighting for the world, but the Lord forbid us to fight in that manner. And as we see, this always leads to death. Matthew 26, 52 says, Thus saith Jesus. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. That's pretty certain. And I knew I needed to help them get to the safety of the middle changing stall. I started shouting directions at them and pointing to the changing stall, hoping that they would follow me. But it was too late. The bullets and the enemy fire fell down on everyone around me. And in the dream, I prayed Psalm 91 and said, No evil will befall me, over and over. And I knew I was on a God sent mission, so He would have to protect me. Amen. I ran back to the stall, or the changing room, or bunker with uh, mortar and bullets literally flying everywhere around me. It was miraculous that I did not get hit. I don't think anyone else survived. Well, most of the apostate Christianity does not believe Psalm 91, which the bride was standing upon. Um, I never saw a single new face around me. It felt futile until I exercised my faith and gave God glory for his protection in the situation. And then as I went into the bunker uh, a second time, the scene inside changed, and I was cooking a meal in front of a white stove. Obviously, everybody got to be fed the good word of God, right? I had a A red tomato paste, pasta dish on the stove, and a lamb roast in the oven. (laughs) Well, Psalm 91 is because of the Passover lamb who bore the curse for us. Galatians 3 and 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So the, what most of Christianity does not understand is Jesus bore the sin and he bore the curse of the sin too. And so they do without. Well, above the stove was a, a white clock on the wall that said 2.30 and I knew we needed to eat at 6 p.m. My stepmom, uh, representing the apostate church, we believe, came in and said that I would need to go into the left bunker, oh no, where the extra provisions were. Uh, So they had stored up over there, huh? I didn't go immediately. I did not want to listen to her, and I knew I had all the ingredients I needed. So we don't need to go into the left bunker, which is representing going back to Egypt or trusting in the arm of the flesh for a provision. Um, Then it was already 5.30 p.m., and I had only one hour left before dinner. So what we're saying here is we're running out of time to get under the blood of the Passover lamb. Hmm. I then went into the left bunker, and I saw my stepmom there. Well, this can get us in trouble because uh, we are departing from the Word of God in this way, right? Well, she was talking in secret to a man dressed in black playing on a piano. Everything was dark, and uh, one wall was painted a very dark red or maroon. And I knew he hated me as he said it over and over, but so sweet and melodic was his voice that I almost did not notice what he was saying. (laughs) He also said many other things that I cannot remember, word for word, but the themes were homosexuality, transgenderism, racism, poverty. It was vile. Well, this represents the spirit of the Judas goat that leads the sheep to slaughter. Remember, the left was where the goats were, right? Ah, and Judas Goat, that's his job, is to lead the sheep to slaughter. The man playing the piano's name means a pistol, especially a gun or revolver. He was planning something very evil, and he had already infiltrated the right bunker because that's where my stepmom lived. So that's right and left. We're told not to go on the right or the left, right? (laughs) Stay down the narrow road, right? Judas and the the faction are left-wing traitors. Okay? The apostate church has been infiltrated by them. Uh, She said, I wondered how to get out of the bunker before he saw me. And then I was suddenly translated back to the middle bunker, and I only had 15 minutes left to get the meal ready. It seemed to be ready at exactly the right time (laughs) to save the people in the middle bunker, of course. Uh, It was different in the middle bunker now. It was solemn, because this was a Passover. It was solemn, and I was... Razor focused and I saw the time tick away past 6:30 and at 6:45 I thought surely it must be it must be ready now I knew everything could uh, gently simmer until the appointed time without anything burning or drying out I think I was waiting for someone to arrive before we ate um this could be the man child anointing <laughs> Amen. Uh, At first I thought it was my stepmother who I was waiting for, but then I was told in my spirit that she had caused many crashes in the war, and I realized she was part of the fighting or people of war on the outside. Yes, a lot of uh, God's people don't know that that is out of bounds for us. The apostates war on the side of the world and against each other and against the elect of God, and they caused many spiritual casualties, just like these crashes, right? Then I had a vision of her as uh, an army tank, and she was rampaging over many roads, pools, parks, inflatable pool toys. Well, inflatable pool toys uh, represent the hope of the gospel that keeps the young children from drowning under the curse, right? And I knew she wouldn't come back in the middle bunker, and I was relieved by that. Yes, indeed, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I woke up with the meat still not eaten and the guest still not there, and I believe the guest was waiting f- that I was waiting for was the man-child. Yeah. And this is the verse I received by faith at random, Jeremiah 16 and 5. For thus saith the Lord, enter not into the house of mourning, neither go to lament, neither bemoan them, for I have taken away my peace from this people, Uh, says the Lord, even loving kindness and tender mercies. Oh, pretty accurate answer for by faith at random, right? So I asked the Lord who those in the middle bunker are, and received by faith random Jonah 1 and 14. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord, and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. And uh, she said, Jonah represents Jesus. Yeah, who had to be uh, sacrificed so that those in the boat could be saved, right? If you remember correctly, Jonah's boat. And the people in the boat could uh, represent those in the ark of his protection because our sins have been placed on him because of Jesus's proclamation in Matthew 12, 38 through 40. Then a... S- Then certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. (laughs) They sacrificed Jonah, and they were saved. For as Jonah was 3 days and 3 nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the son of man be 3 days and 3 nights in the heart of the earth. Mhm. Okay, a third time I was speaking with the Lord about this dream and I asked for a text by faith at random for what I represent. And my finger landed on quote, "resurrection of Jesus." Mhm from 1 Peter 1 and 3, in context 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy begat us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, unto an inheritance incorruptible. It's indestructible, incorruptible, right? (laughs) And undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who by the power of God are guarded through faith unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, of course, those in the middle bunker were spared, saved. They were on the narrow road. They didn't turn to the right. They didn't turn to the left. And they had a Passover lamb. A lot of people don't know about the Passover lamb. That's the sad part. Okay, then we got this revelation here. Uh, the dragon attempts to devour the man child. Uh, this was given to Claire also four sixteen twenty two. In this vision I was looking up at the sky and the Lord showed me a newborn baby boy's heel and I saw a snake head hovering over behind the baby. Then I saw a vaccine or injection, and two men in wizard outfits on either side holding the baby up, saying, Calliope, over and over again. Well, Genesis 3 and 15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, talking to the serpent, and between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise thy head, that's the head of the serpent, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Well, the Satanists are sacrificing the children as in the days of Moses and Jesus, both man-child types. In Jesus' time, Herod, who was an Edomite, um, an offspring of Esau who hated his chosen brother, right, uh, sacrificed all the babies to get the uh, promised seed, uh, but of course failed. Um, Dragon is trying to use witchcraft and uh, pharmakia in the form of venom, to try and kill the man-child. So uh, this, of course, is uh, many revelations that are coming out now. We can see very clearly that they're uh, once again trying to kill the babies to wipe out the chosen seed. I searched the name online, and I've heard it before, as this is what came up. Calliope means uh, beautiful-voiced. Is from kalos, uh, meaning beauty, and ops, meaning voice. Calliope. Uh, was the most prominent of the muses, the nine sister goddesses who in uh, Greek mythology presided over poetry, song, and the arts, and sciences. Hmm. Well, uh, these Satanists are telling people to follow the science. Uh, of course, they've hidden the science, but to their grave mistake, it's being discovered. Uh, but what the science shows is that they are sacrificing the babies with their pharmacia, And the people who trusted in God are far better off. Um, they're not initially infected by the vaccine although they can be secondarily uh, infected by other people who have taken the vaccine uh, and again you still have to believe in God and trust in God even after you have uh, skipped their vaccine okay I asked the Lord for a verse by faith at random and received Amos 5:14. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so, Lord, the God of hosts will be with you as you say. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of Exodus 15 and 26. And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon thee which I have put upon the Egyptians. So what happened at the Passover? It went over the Israelites who were under the blood uh, and who had sacrificed the lamb and believed and trusted that that lamb would save them, and it hit the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee, he says. So it's still the same today. You know, 1 Corinthians 5 tells us Jesus is our Passover lamb. He's already been sacrificed. In other words, we're supposed to believe we have a Passover. Okay, this one I'm going to share with you um, about the coming prince of the covenant, and it's from me. (laughs) The seven-headed, ten-horned dragon and beast of Revelation are making this covenant with many. In these two phases, the seed of all seven world ruling heads Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Media Persia, Greece, and Rome, and revived Rome, uh, which is of the ten toes of this beast in Daniel's vision, uh, are making this covenant through their principalities. Uh, all of these beasts had a dominion that passed away. In other words, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, all the way down, their dominion passed away, but their seed continued to our day. In other words, they still have a dominion, okay? Daniel 7 and 12, And as for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And this is the season and time. Uh, The... Most noticeable in our day as Babylon Deep State Falls, which we're watching, and of course, they're not through killing people, they're going to take a big swipe at apostate Christianity. Uh, so, the most noticeable is uh, Media Persia, which is now spiritually under Cyrus Trump, okay, as we said from the beginning, uh, in the first phase, and Greece which is the next phase after Media Persia, uh, the matured Antichrist beast under Alexander and his generals were that type uh, today. So there's going to be a big division uh, in this last beast. And um, because the Lord's going to go fo- forth and fight as he fought in the day of battle, and he did it by dividing the enemy. Okay, So... And this is the second phase. Greece is the second phase. It's the type of the Antichrist. Many people point out the the Antiochus Epiphanes and the Alexander and all that. They point out these as types of Antichrist, and they are. Uh, The beast is more matured than the dragon, okay? So this is the second phase, Greece. And in the middle of the tribulation, uh, this beast is going to make war on the saints. In other words, the pendulum is going to swing back in the other direction. Uh, of course, so much for the thousand years of peace, right? The super principality overall is Rome, because there are now the ten toes representing the whole world's continental divisions. So there is a principality above the individual principalities that are uh, at war uh, at this particular time. Media Persia, Greece, not Greece yet, but Media Persia is conquering Babylon, right? Um, The majority of God's people will not recognize the beast and subsequently the covenant because of traditional carnal letter interpretations. Their patriotism is going to make them overlook this one, I feel. Uh, Daniel 9 and 26 says The people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, even unto the end shall be war. Desolations are determined. The, like as in abomination of desolations, right? Well, notice that the prince whose people destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD is also he in the same sentence who makes the covenant with many 2,000 years later. Why are people missing this? And he shall make a firm covenant with many for one week. The covenant is here. The other part of the verse is back there, okay, 2,000 years. So the prince here is either a 2,000-year-old man, which we don't have many of those around, and Trump is not, or he is resurrected before the first resurrection. (laughs) That's not possible either, and that's what John saw after the tribulation. Or he is a spirit prince, a principality we call them. Since the first conclusions are obviously not possible, we're left with a spirit prince who has no problem being around 2,000 years later. Okay? Um, and here's proof of these princes being spirit or demon principalities. All of the other princes in Daniel's text before and after were either angel princes or demon princes, who are called principalities in Ephesians 6 and 12. And of the three evil principalities mentioned, the first ruled over the Persian beast, and the second ruled over the Grecian beast, and the third ruled over the Roman beast, which was the prince that shall come, whose people destroyed Jerusalem, in Daniel's vision. So, in Daniel's vision, a man clothed with linen, who is described like Christ, said uh, in 10 and 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. Now, everybody knows this is a principality. So why not the one before and after, right? But lo, Michael, uh, one of the chief princes, we know Michael is the Lord's chief prince, right, came to help me. And, And verse 20 says, and I returned to fight with the prince of Persia, the next principality. And when I go forth, lo, the prince of Greece shall come. Okay, so now we see that what's going on individually is a uh, one kingdom conquering another, just like it was back in the letter, in the original. But first we know that all prophecies are fulfilled literally and then spiritually. So now we can see when we identify these characters who's uh winning right now is the Medo-Persian Empire under Cyrus who conquered um the Babylonian beast the deep state and used their money uh to uh finance the rebuilding of the kingdom of God and sent God's people to go and rebuild. Oh So after the principalities of Persia and Greece came the principality of Rome. The sixth beast head of the world was Rome, which ceased as a world-ruling kingdom and uh, is being revived in the tribulation as Daniel's ten toes of iron and clay and is over the ten continental divisions of the earth. This is what they're putting together now, folks. They're doing away with individuality in the nations. This alliance is doing this, okay? And uh, they're putting together a one world order. Uh Uh-huh. So these are the ten horns of the dragon and then the beast of the seven-year tribulation. If it came after the other beast, why is it time during its time during the whole tribulation? Because in Daniel's vision of the world beast, the iron representing Rome went all the way from the original Rome in the in the vision of the man, the beast. Right. Went all the way from the thighs of original Rome to the end of time in the ten toes of iron and clay. It covered that whole region. So we're still seeing these individual beasts conquering one another, but there's one over them all. Daniel two and thirty three says, its legs of iron, its feet part of iron and part of clay, which are the clay of course was never a part of the original Roman Empire but of the earth still, right? And the iron legs representing the Roman Empire were the longest part of the image. They covered that whole time. So they are being superimposed over this battle of the beasts because they uh, shall make a firm covenant with many for one week. They're uh, overruling all of these beasts and bringing about this. So uh some say, No, Rome died, you know, in this, in Revelation thirteen and three. And I saw one of his heads as though it had been smitten unto death, and his death stroke was healed, and the whole earth wondered after the beast. Oh, isn't it look like it's happening now? Hmm. Yes, it does. Okay. But no, it didn't die. Notice it was as though it died, but it was healed instead and continued to the end of time. Why do we know this? Because we know it doesn't fit with Daniel's vision of the beast. From the head of gold to the silver to the brass on down, uh, all the way to the end of time, that uh, Roman Empire that was thought to be gone has actually been there. All the way to the end of time, the iron is there, to the ten toes, the ten continental divisions of the earth. The Roman Empire is being revived in our day, not resurrected. Uh, Its principality, who never died, is returning in our day to make a covenant. And he, that's the one who destroyed Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, um, and he shall make a firm covenant with many for one week. He, the same person. It's in the same verse. He's either 2,000 years old. Uh, Since he is 2,000 years old, we know he's a principality. So we see that the life of the Roman Empire overlapped the individual types in another parable of Media Persia, which was Cyrus, Trump's dominion, and Greece, which is the full Antichrist, you know, beast, as opposed to the dragon, right? And we also see here that God's angel prince, Michael, warring with these demon princes, Daniel 12 and 1 says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince who standeth for the children of thy people. The great prince. He's a principality on God's side. (laughs) So, um, And notice that just as Michael is a prince from heaven over a body inhabited by Christ the king, so this principality is returning from the abyss to rule over a beast body inhabited by Satan, a king. Revelation 17 and 8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and to go into perdition or destruction. Yes. So this last beast with the seven heads represents the seed of all the previous beasts in a one New UN body. I'm saying, I'm calling it a new UN body because it is a United Nations that's coming together to bring down Babylon. And uh, because the old UN body is dying with its deep state leadership. Okay. And this is the body of all lost mankind, this beast whose spirits and souls are born from the abyss through the seed of hordes of demons from the abyss. John 8 and 23 says, And he said unto them, You are from beneath. I am from above. Oh, he was talking to the religious leaders. Oh, they're part of it too? Yes. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Hmm. Okay. Here's a revelation, uh, we called it, You Are Mine, Prepare for Eternity, and this is Debbie Finsky. she got this on three twenty-eight twenty-two. Word from the Lord. My dear children, as you raise your hands this night in worship to me, and from now on when you worship me, see me placing my hands against yours. And hear me whisper in your ear that I am doing uh, as I am doing now. You are mine. Do you hear me? You are mine. And do not forget this. Though times are coming very soon when much good is going to abound and thrive, as much evil will be repressed by my spirit very soon following a mighty work through my people yes even through you my people because the spiritual warfare that we are doing saints is what's really bringing this down okay the dragons cast down because of the saints much evil will soon spring up taking so many by surprise and it will abound greater and greater but you who are truly mine always SEEKING AFTER ME, FOLLOWING IN MY FOOTSTEPS OF HOLINESS, YOU WILL NOT BE SURPRISED, FOR YOU KNOW ME, AND YOU KNOW ME MORE CLOSELY, MORE FERVENTLY, AND MORE INTIMATELY. YOU KNOW MY WORDS, I HAVE SPOKEN TO YOU, AND YOU KNOW THAT I KNOW YOU, BECAUSE I KNOW THOSE WHO ARE TRULY MINE. YOU WILL BE SAFE IN ME. I WILL SHIELD YOU, MY HOLY PEOPLE, I will be your all in all, your protector, your provider, your guide, your sustainer, and your strength. And what a light you will be, for you will shine forth the light of my presence from within you, always around you, and I will use you for my namesake, and that will be our joy. So those of my people who are preparing themselves, even as I see you are preparing yourselves, getting dressed up right in the middle of uh, <laughs> uh, change room, right? This side of eternity, for eternity, will know the end of their earthly life, even before I take you all into eternity with me. For you have forsaken this earthly life for the heavenly and the eternal." Yes, I am watching, and I am waiting, and I say to you, I know you, and already I welcome you into eternity that we, even now, share in together. What a love life we share! I am in you, and you are in me. And I say to you, you are of those who will eternally be mine, and will share in the joy of heaven that I have eternally prepared for you. But still my heart is drawing, still calling, still waiting for many who are not yet preparing themselves for eternity. Well, amen. This is so true. And this one we called, uh, He Picked Me Up. It was given to Merlene Laughlin on 323-22. She said, last night around midnight I had a dream in which two armed, draped in white, uh, representing the arms of the Lord, reached down from the sky and lifted me up from the bed. You got that? Two of these arms, draped in white, coming down out of heaven and lifted her off the bed. And I saw my legs dangling as though I was a child. I felt love and care as the Lord lifted me up in His strength since I had none. I actually felt the lift off, and at the same time I felt comfort and care. Then I rested in Him as I woke up. And by faith at random, I got John 3.31. He that cometh from above, those arms came down from above, right, is above all, and he that is of the earth is of the earth, and of the earth he speaketh. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And by faith at random, my husband Don got Psalm 108 and 5, in context 4 through 6. For your lovingkindness is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and your glory above all the earth, that your beloved may be delivered. <laughs> of course, the arms were lifting her off the earth, right? Save with your right hand, and answer me. Oh, praise the Lord. Isn't God awesome? Well, we're seeing the warfare going on out there, and um, we've heard the words of the Alliance. We've heard, um, well, there's a whole lot of um, uh, New Age stuff mixed in with the Alliance. Um, They're actually believing that some of this is Christianity, but obviously it's not Christianity. Um anybody that reads the book of Revelation and knows that it has a perfect numeric pattern in it knows that we're not headed towards a thousand years of peace. Uh, now, after that tribulation uh, in the book of Revelation, there is a thousand years of peace, but the peace is for the righteous. It's not for the world. Uh, there is no peace to the wicked, saith the Lord. So there's a lot of confusion out there. Um, the people running the government don't realize what true Christianity is all about. And when they do, they may not like us. <laughs> but, but at any rate, um, and of course, the New Age people don't like us. They're just, they're just uh, putting up with us for now because they need us. Okay. Okay. However, as we saw earlier, um, many people in Christianity do not know how to fight spiritual warfare as uh, in the book of Revelation, the saints cast down Satan, uh, the dragon, uh, to the earth. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't these um, do-gooders that was doing this. It was uh, the saints who had authority to do this. Saints means sanctified ones. They have authority to cast down uh, the dragon, and it shall be done. It is being done, okay? Um, And the dragon, of course, tried but failed to devour the man-child, and uh, then, of course, went after the woman and couldn't do anything with the woman because the man-child was raising up the woman in the wilderness to have the same authority. So the dragon turned to go after the remnant of her seed because he couldn't reach the other two groups okay so um we're in this (laughs) we're 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 starting down this road here folks it's happening uh under our very eyes it's happening so don't believe let me say first of all don't believe completely either side um you know i've given reports of what the alliance uh proclaims is coming uh and I want to explain to you that they fight in a worldly way. They are using diff- disinformation as regards to the timing in order to provoke the deep state to try to stop this GCR because it's going to plun. It is plundering them. It is plundering their whole ability to steal from the world, okay? And that's good. <laughs> so um, it's plundering them, and so every time they say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, you know, well, just just know that they're going to do that, but they're not going to do it when they say they're going to do it. Um, they're, they're trying to provoke the enemy to stick their head up and make attempts to stop this thing and of course when they do um they know exact. they have the nsa i'm talking about the alliance has the nsa they know everything that's going on and when people stick their head up it's whack-a-mole that's what it is it's whack-a-mole so they go out and get them and then they might tell you a little while later okay it's going to start now uh let me say these things are happening. Most of the things that they're talking about are happening, and some of them have already happened, okay? Uh, but they're provoking the enemy to try to stop them. So, so you can't pay a whole lot of attention to their dates. Uh, but they're saying that this GCR is going to do a complete flip before uh, May the 1st, I believe they said. We'll see because there is a law out there that it has to be completed at that time. So uh, once again, um, <laughs> they've said things before and later come back and give given a different reason for why it's continuing on. At any rate, uh, what they're saying, the things that they're saying that they're doing, they are doing, okay? Okay. And that's because the Lord, if you read Isaiah uh, 45, you'll see that the Lord gave this dominion to Cyrus uh, to conquer Babylon and uh, for the purpose of uh, rebuilding the kingdom, giving us a rest period, which may just be the beginning three and a half years of the tribulation period before the beast makes war on the saints. So basically Trump is uh, giving us time, as we had one revelation uh, a few years ago given to us that it, it was pointing towards the fact that he was giving us time. Time for what? Time to rebuild the kingdom. What is the kingdom? It's the people. It's the people. They have to come in. Uh, and they have to be uh, retrained, being transformed by the renewing of their minds to be the people of God. It's not just those who stick their toe in the door. It's those who are sanctified, separated from the world and the worldly unto Christ to walk in his steps, both the spirit, soul, and body. And they don't, they don't recognize that this is this born again thing is spirit, soul, and body. They recognize that when you accept Jesus as your personal savior uh, that you're in there, you're a shoe in you know, but Jesus said, he that endureth to the end shall be saved, and we have to endure a crucified life. uh this crucified life is putting to death the old man so that the new man can live uh you know. There are people that refuse this death-to-self, crucifixion, and so they won't take part in the kingdom of heaven because they're not going to bear fruit. I say that when people first come into the kingdom, they have a born-again spirit. And as long as they walk by faith, their faith is accounted as righteousness. So you see, even babies can come into the kingdom. Their faith is accounted as righteousness. Okay, but as you walk by faith, you gain in knowledge and in wisdom and in strength and in the image of Jesus Christ. And no one hath ascended into heaven but he that descended out of heaven. Did you know that? Nobody's going to heaven but the real body of Jesus Christ. And the real body of Jesus Christ is inhabited by Jesus Christ. (laughs) And we know what he looks like. We've read the Bible. We've read the New Testament. We know what he looks like. He's not the uh, remade Jesus of the apostate religions that we know of today. He's not anything to do with that at all. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says. So we should give up on apostate religion. That's, um, that's that, <laughs> that uh, stepmother that always wanted to be in the wrong box, right? never in the middle where they belong, down the middle of the road, where uh, we are not to turn to the right nor turn to the left. She was uh, constantly turning in both directions. Okay, so uh, we know all of this is a test to see who truly are the people of God. All of this is a test. So you can step into it as a baby, you must continue to walk by faith, and that faith can't be in a worldly institution like these um, apostate religions. You can come into the image of those preachers, but you can't come into the image of Christ unless you look in the Bible and see what he looks like, what he does, what is his ministry, on and on and on. This is what they deny. And if you stay in them, you will die. and you will not come into the image of Jesus Christ thirty, sixty and a hundredfold. So um, Father, we ask that your people would have their eyes opened and we know you're going to do that. We know there's going to be a great restoration of your people who have gone into religious, Babylonish captivity, There's going to be a great deliverance for your people. But I say not that all of those in there are your people. And this is being revealed these days through factions, uh, who are his people and who are not. Uh, So we have a short time left for the people that are out there to come into uh, the center changing stall. and uh, and be preserved from the judgments that are going to come. They are coming. Don't let anybody tell you they're not. There's a lot of people in the Alliance that are saying it's over, blah, blah, blah. That's what it is, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And, And then they don't believe in the book of Revelation, but the book of Revelation has a perfect numeric pattern in it, just like all of the 66 books. Now they've discovered, that was hidden in the Vatican, uh, oh, what did they say, 777 books, and then they're saying they're going to print the whole Bible. Don't believe a word they say. They don't know what determines the text of the Bible. Numerics is God's proof of the text of the Bible. Don't listen to what they say. Don't buy one of their goofy Bibles um you know, forget it. they don't know what they're doing uh they're they're either lost or apostates, and uh they must be saved and born from above. Amen so uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've shown us today about the war that's going on out there. Thank you, Lord, for delivering us, and continue, Lord, to open our understanding because. We could have some things wrong, and we want to know what's right. We ask you for truth, Father. We have no hope of gaining truth without you and your gift. So we ask it in the name of Jesus, and we thank you so much, Father. Amen. All right. God bless you, saints. Thank you for joining us today. And um, Father, bless uh, Michael and the brethren that join him, you know, in the program. And we thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Well, thank you, Brother David. God bless you. Hello, saints. Good to be back with you again. It's got a nice April morning out there. Blue skies, warm weather, hopefully. (laughs) Let's go to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for your word that shows us the things that are coming And the people that are going to be involved, Lord, we ask for your mercy and your grace this morning as we give out this uh, teaching on the man-child, the bride's head, and we praise you for it, Father. We thank you, Lord, that it'll be a blessing to everyone, and that uh, it will be a, a, a revelation to some, and we thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your grace upon us, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to talk about the bride's head, and that's the over in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, and if you look in the book of Jeremiah, there's a large number of chapters that speak about God's people being in captivity to Babylon. And then there are a few chapters that speak about the deliverance from Babylon and the restoration of God's people. And then all the way through chapter 29 in verse 30, it still speaks about the deliverance from captivity. Israel had to come out of captivity to Babylon and the other beast kingdoms that conquered her because of her apostasy. Now, if you'll notice that when God is speaking about this historic happening, every once in a while, he'll pop something in there that you know is jumping thousands of years down the road into our time. And then it seems that he jumps back again, speaks about the historical events back there. Well, in the text that we're fixing to read, he does the same thing. While speaking in the text concerning the deliverance from captivity to Babylon, he begins to speak about our time. And one reason God does that is to give us an understanding That what he's speaking about, even in an historic setting, is actually our time. Because these things happened to them, that's the Jews, by way of example. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages are come, it says in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. What God spoke about them, he was speaking about us. When he spoke to them in the letter, he was speaking about us in the spirit. So that's what we need to remember as we read through Jeremiah because he jumps on quite a few occasions into the present time in this text. And really, when we understand that we're all coming out of Babylon, that all of God's people have been taken into bodies because of their sins, we're all on our way back to the promised land. Then it makes a lot more sense, don't it? Now, in some places, it's really easy to understand the meaning. Look in Jeremiah 30 and 3. For lo, the days come, says the Lord, that I will turn again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Well, we know at least one literal meaning here is, of course, when Israel returned to their land after 2,000 years, and became a nation in 1948. And then there is also the spiritual meaning of us returning to our promised land, living on the promises of God. Then verse 4. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Now we know this is spiritual because nobody has ever known a man to bear a child, has he? The man he's talking about here is, of course, the man-child. The man who's in travail with the child is in travail with the Christ-child because obviously Jesus said that if we would do the will of his Father, then we were his mother and his brethren. Verse 6 says, Wherefore do I see every man, that is, that's the members of the body of this corporate man, wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail? Now we know that in Revelation 12, the woman being the church is in travail with the man child and the man child is the one who's bringing forth the life of Christ in him. So, this text is clearly talking about that corporate man child in the end time. Now, let's look, Let's take a look at the difference between the man child and the bride here. Jeremiah 31 22. How long wilt thou go hither and thither, O thou backsliding daughter? For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall encompass a man. Well, that man is the man child because. That was so true even in the natural. David represented the man-child in his time, and he was encompassed by a woman, which was Jerusalem, and then a second woman, which was Israel at large. One of them the Bible calls the bride. The other one incorporates the whole church. So at least we know that a man is encompassed by a woman. And what we're seeing here is this woman in travail bringing forth that man-child in whom lives the Christ child. You know, it's pretty awesome the way the Lord refers to things, isn't it? Jeremiah 30 and 6, it says, And all faces are turned into paleness. Verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. We recognize that. That is a time of great tribulation. That great tribulation is called Jacob's trouble. That's the time of the end time. So we jump from what looks like an historic setting in the time of Babylon all the way into our time because they're parallel, right? Remember what Ecclesiastes 1 and 9 says, that which hath been is that which shall be, and that which hath been done is that which shall be done. And there's no new thing under the sun the historic things are parables concerning what's happening now and we're talking about a time of Jacob's trouble Jacob was the carnal name for Israel and he represented the carnal man in Israel Jeremiah 30 and 7 says "Alas for that day is great so that none is like it it is even the time of Jacob's trouble but he shall be saved out of it. Now, <clears throat> we know that in this time of great trouble, those who are truly belonging to Israel are going to be saved out of it. But there's also going to be a great falling away. Look at Second Thessalonians 2 and 3. Let no man beguile you in any wise, for it will not be except the falling away come first and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition then over in verse eight, and it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck and will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more make him their bondman. In the natural, the people of the world and a whole lot of Christians are still in bondage to that old man, to the beast. God says that he's fixing to set his people free. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And what you reckon's is going to happen to Israel? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 9 and verse 27, and Isaiah cries concerning Israel. If the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that shall be saved. But it also tells us that all Israel shall be saved in Romans eleven twenty-six. <clears> 26. <throat> that, however, is used in the text where Paul is speaking about the grafting into the olive tree of the Gentile church and the end time remnant of Israel being grafted back into their own olive tree. And Jeremiah goes on in chapter 30, and verse 9 but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Now check this out. It's not just only talking about Jesus. It's talking about an end type David. And that's the time that he's speaking about right here. The time of Jacob's trouble and the time when the woman is in travail with the man-child. It's that time that God says he's going to raise up a David unto them. Now, verse 10 of Jeremiah 30 says, Therefore fear thou not, O Jacob, my servant, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed, O Israel, for lo, I will save thee from afar and thy seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return and shall be quiet and at ease, and none shall make him afraid. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee, for I will make a full end of all the nations, whether I have scattered thee. Well, that ain't never happened, has it? The nations are going to be in a great civil war that's going to destroy them. Those nations, as a nation, ain't never going to rise up again. That's an end time event, though. Now, if you'll skip down just a few verses, we find this in verse 21. And their prince shall be of themselves, and their ruler shall proceed from the midst of them. Sound like Jesus, don't it? Well, Jesus came to sit upon the throne of David 2,000 years ago. But Jesus also said that he was coming again in John 16 as a bad child born to a woman. And in Revelation 12, we see that prophesied again for 2,000 years later. So here we have a text that's speaking about the end time. He said, their rulers shall proceed from the midst of them, and I'll cause them to draw near. Folks, that's grace, isn't it? This is not great men. This is God's grace working in me. John 6 and 44 says, no man can come to me except the Father that sent me draw him. God the Father is drawing this leadership close to him. And it's by grace. It's not by man's works. Jeremiah 30, 21 again. And I will cause him to draw near and he shall approach unto me. For who is he that hath had boldness to approach unto me, saith the Lord? And ye shall be my people and I will be your God. Now he, fixing to, he goes on to speak about Verse 23, Behold, the tempest of the Lord, even his wrath is gone forth, a sweeping tempest. It shall burst upon the head of the wicked, and the fierce anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed, until he have performed the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you shall understand it. And he's talking about the latter days again. 31 and 1, it says, At that time, saith the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Well, if you notice, God says that in the the latter days, he's going to be the God of all the families of Israel, and that all Israel shall be saved. Well, how are they going to accomplish that? Romans 11 and 19 says, Thou wilt say, then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Verse 20. Well, by their unbelief they were broken off. That's talking about natural Israel and their own olive tree, okay? And thou stand by your faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, so neither will he spare you. Behold, then, the goodness and the severity of God toward them that fell severity, but toward you God's goodness, if, there's a condition right there, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also shall be cut off. And they also, if they continue not in their own belief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Folks, there's going to be a remnant of natural Israel that is going to be grafted back into the olive tree, which he's about to call all Israel. Verse 24. For if you were cut out of that which is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which are the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, have you ignorant of this mystery, lest ye be wise in your own conceits that a hardening in part has befallen Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel shall be saved. When that last remnant of natural Israel is grafted in, then all Israel is going to be saved. What does that mean? That it means this, that everybody in the olive tree is saved. So he calls the olive tree all Israel, regardless of whether it's Gentiles or Jews. That's because we're all sons of Abraham through faith. Abraham was the father of many nations. That's the same word for Gentiles. Verse 26, and so all Israel shall be saved, even as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer. In the last days, when all the Gentiles are coming in, and the remnant of all Israel is being grafted in again, notice what he says in verse 26. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer. He shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. That's Israel. Uh, Of course, we're the spiritual Israel because it says he is not a Jew who is one outwardly neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, he is one innerly, and circumcision is that of the heart, Romans 2, 28, 29. That's what the Bible, that's what God's word says. So what we're doing, we're inviting the Jews to come back and be grafted back into their original olive tree, and the only way they can do that, it says, is through faith and believing in the sacrifice of Jesus. And that's the text that we're looking at here. All the families of Israel are going to be God's people in that day. So let's go back again into chapter 31 of Jeremiah 31. In that text where Jeremiah is speaking about God's people being delivered from bondage and on. He begins to jump into our day speaking about a covenant. Listen to this. Behold, the days come, says the Lord that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke. Although I was a husband unto them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my law into their inward parts, And in their heart will I write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's also quoted in Hebrews chapter 8, referring to the New Covenant. So here we are. We're 2,000 years before the end time when the New Covenant began. Verse 34. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them. Now, that's also quoted in the New Testament concerning the New Covenant. Saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin will I remember no more. Check this out in verse 35. Thus saith the Lord who gives the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, who stirs up the sea so that the waves thereof roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If these ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Well, what he's saying here is that if a day and night ever stop, then Israel will cease from being a nation. Folks, Israel ceased from being a natural nation back in 70 AD when the Romans came through there and tore the city down, burned their temple, and scattered them throughout the nations. Now, their nation was again restored back in 1948, excuse me. Wasn't there a day and the night at that time? Between that time? Yet look what God is saying here that as long as there is day and night, there will be this nation of Israel forever. What nation of Israel is he talking about here? Because they ceased from being a nation for 2,000 years. Folks, he's talking about a new nation. A different type of nation of Israel, isn't he? What happened when the new covenant came to pass? He first brought it to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then he brought it to the Gentile church who, joining with the remnant of natural Israel, accepted it. They were in the olive tree together, which is called all Israel. So we see there is still a nation of Israel. There has been for the last 2,000 years, during which time there has been night and day and night and day, right? There has been a nation called Israel, not the literal nation, but this spiritual nation called Israel. The apostle Peter, he said it too in 1 Peter 2 and 9. But ye are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that ye may show forth the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Folks, he was talking to the Christians. And we need to remember this. And also in Romans 11, 19 and 26, Well, we've just learned that these two together, the believing Gentiles and Jewish remnant, make up the nation of all Israel. Now, if we jump over to Jeremiah 33, now remember the covenant, the ordinance of night and day, okay? God speaks there concerning the leadership of that nation, Israel. First, he talks about restoring that nation. Jeremiah 33 and 9 says, And this city shall be to me for a name of joy, for a praise, and for a glory before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them, and shall fear and tremble for all the good and for all the peace that I procure unto it. Thus saith the Lord, yet again there shall be heard in this place, what's the place? That's Jerusalem. Whereof ye say, it is waste without man and without beast. And when they weren't a nation either, by the way, okay. Even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, they are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. When? Is the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride going to be in Jerusalem? In these days, God is raising up both the bridegroom and the bride. He ain't doing it in old Jerusalem because it's apostate right now. It's apostate. Very much turned away from God. I'm talking about the God of the New Testament. It's for the most part going ahead and doing their own thing. And there's only a very few from among the Jews that are tempting To live under the Old Testament. So, once again, what city is he referring to? It's the city that Paul spoke about when he said, You're come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That was over in Hebrews 12 and 22. We who are born again are joined to this heavenly Jerusalem. In that city, There's the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. Well, what's the bride? The Bible tells us in these verses in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 9. And there came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls who were laden with the seven last plagues. And he spoke with me saying, come here. I will show thee the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Folks, that's the bride. That's Jerusalem. Now we find it also in verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Now we've already learned about how Jerusalem is being born from above, first the spirit, then soul, and then the body. In the body of the bride, the bride is God's holy people. But notice the bride also is Jerusalem. It's not the twelve tribes outside of Jerusalem; it's Jerusalem. There's also a leader over there. That uh, end time spiritual Jerusalem by what we just read. Listen to what Jeremiah 39 says. But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. And there's some of you saying out there, well, that happened back in times when Jesus came to natural Jerusalem. Well, it did. Jesus was the son of David and he came to sit upon David's throne. And that's spoken of here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 29. Brethren, I may say unto you freely of the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us unto this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins he would set one upon his throne, he foreseeing this spoke of the resurrection of Christ. David was a prophet. And he referred to the throne of David, that one who was born from his loins would sit upon. Now think about that. David passed on his lineage, obviously in the natural way. And the Bible says in Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. Well, the woman in that case was Mary. In the end time, it's the woman of Revelation 12. The seed of the woman was Christ. Jesus was the Son of Man, and he was the Son of God. He was the Son of Man in that he was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Verse 4, who was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit. Romans 1, 3, and 4. John 3 and 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus' flesh came through Mary and she was of the lineage of David. God can do it because the Bible says he would, that it would be the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. Now, inside the body of the son of David was the son of God. Jesus said that he was son of man, John 5 and 27, and son of God, verse 25. The spiritual man on the inside was the son of God dwelling, In the body of the son of David. And that's a spiritual type for our day. Because this is what God said he was going to do again in the end time. He's raising up a son of David. And if Jesus was the son of David in his day. Then he would have had to raise up seed through the generations up to our day. To have another son of David called the man child. In whom he could live. So when David raised up seed originally, it was according to the flesh, because they were the letter people. That's the letter people of God. Everything they did was in the letter, in the flesh. But they represented a spiritual people of God in the New Testament. Well, we know that Jesus didn't have any children, don't we, according to the flesh. So when Jesus began to raise up seed, how did he do it? He raised up seed by the word of God. That seed that he sowed was the word of God. That word sowed is literally the sperma. It was sown into our hearts to bring his fruit, the fruit of Christ in us. And since we know that there's always going to be a son of David sitting on his throne, then Jesus was raising up seed that is the spiritual seed of David. The man-child that we're talking about is a spiritual seed of David in whom Jesus lives because we're speaking of the manifestation of sonship where Christ is manifested in his people. Glory to God. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> now, remember what John the Baptist said when he saw the disciples following Jesus? He said this in John chapter 3, verse 29. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Jesus, the man-child there, was the groom, and the bride was those disciples who were following him, praise God. Now, let me show you the relationship between the bride and the man-child. First of all, we found that the bride was Jerusalem. We find that the man-child was David. David sits upon his throne in Jerusalem. Therefore, he's a part of the bride, a member of the body of the bride. He's actually the head of the body of the bride on earth because he's in Jerusalem as the head of Jerusalem. And that represents the bride. Now, we see the relationship between the man child and the bride. The head of the bride is the man child. Christ, who was the man child? that's the head of the church. We know that the church is the larger body of all Israel, but the bride was Jerusalem. That's why the Bible says, Arise ye and let us go up to Zion unto the Lord our God, Jeremiah 31 and 6. It represents a place of holiness, of separation from the world above the world. It's a holy place. It's beautiful. We see the relationship with David as the man-child With the bride. And we can say that the bride. Sits on the throne. Now the Bible. Speaks about both David and the bride. as caught up to the throne. Though we're not talking about a catching away. To heaven as I'll explain later. Jeremiah 3 and 17. At that time they shall call Jerusalem. The throne of the Lord. And all the nations. That's the Gentiles. Shall be gathered unto it. To the name of the Lord. So the throne and Jerusalem represent the name, which is, of course, the nature, character, and authority. That's what the word name means. And it goes on to say, To the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk anymore after the stubbornness of their evil heart. Well, we notice here that there was a throne in Jerusalem for the man-child, <clears throat> but there was also a throne in Jerusalem for the bride. Actually, we have a fulfillment of the marriage feast. And in the marriage feast, during the last seven days before they went to the groom's home, the bride and groom sat on thrones. How is the Lord going to sit with the bride for seven days before going to the groom's home? Well, let's let's go ahead and study Jeremiah a little deeper, then we'll get into that. We see in Jeremiah 33 from verse 14 on down that the branch... Comes forth. When Jeremiah 23, 4, and 5 speaks about the new leadership that God was going to raise up, the new shepherds, the righteous shepherds, he calls them the branch in verse 5. And from there on down, he says the same thing that he says in chapter 33. So this corporate body of shepherds is the branch, and that's the man child. Jeremiah 33 and 15, In those days and at that time will I cause a branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby she shall be called the Lord our Righteousness. They're using she there because this is a corporate body of people, okay? It's a corporate name, the Lord our righteousness. Verse 17, listen to this. For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. Uh Uh-oh. Now let me say that for thousands of years now, there hadn't been a David sitting on the throne. When Jesus came, There was no David sitting upon the throne. What Israel is God talking about when he promises that they'll never want a king to sit upon the throne? So this has to be talking about after the new covenant, when everything changed. Now we found out that there was a nation of Israel after the new covenant started. When the old nation of Israel was destroyed at about the time of the end of the book of Acts, okay? That nation is gone. Now, let's read again, Jeremiah 33 and 17 again. For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. That has to be the New Testament house of Israel. And I'm going to show you why. Verse 18 neither shall the priests, the Levites, want a man before me to offer burnt offerings and to burn meal offerings and to do sacrifice continually. And of course, we are priests unto the Lord. We offer burnt offerings, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God as we go through those fiery trials where the old man is burned up. That's the wood, hay, and the stubble of that old man. We have a continual burnt offering where natural Israel does not have a continual burnt offering. However, the continual burnt offering is going to be taken away from those who fall away from the Lord in the days to come. Second Thessalonians 2 and 3. And then verse 19, And the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, If ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, so that there shall not be day and night in their season. Folks, that's the same thing he said a couple of chapters ago, and it was after the new covenant started. He said that if day and night stopped, there wouldn't be a nation of Israel. Well, day and night hadn't stopped. There has been a nation of Israel since the time of Jesus, but that nation of Israel didn't start in 1948. It's the nation of all Israel of Romans chapter 11. Now he says the same thing about his king David here. Verse 21, Then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant, that he shall not have a son to reign upon his throne, and with the Levites the priests my ministers. There has been night and day consecutively all through the New Testament. And when Jesus came, there was a son of David to rule on the throne. There has been a son of David ruling on the throne ever since. Our Lord Jesus said, said it once more. He said he was going to raise up a David in the end time, a man-child, and that he was going to come as a man-child born to a woman in John 16. In Revelation 12, we see that promised David ministry being raised up. We see that man-child born to a woman, that's the church, to lead the woman into the wilderness. Verse 22, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David, my servant. Folks, this all has to have happened in the New Testament because there is no fulfillment in the Old Testament of God's promise that there would always be a David on the throne. This has to have happened in Jesus' day, as he sat upon the throne and ruled over spiritual, born-again Israel. He came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and they followed him. John the Baptist looked at them and said, There's the bride and the bridegroom. The bridegroom was the man child. Now notice that in this new Israel they're going to hear the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride of Jeremiah thirty three and eleven. Where is the voice of the bridegroom going to be heard? It's going to be heard out of the man child. Remember what Paul said in Romans eleven twenty six, and so all Israel shall be saved, even as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer. He shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. That he was going to send the Deliverer out of Zion. This was going to happen when the last of the Gentiles were being brought into the kingdom and the remnant of the Jews was being restored to the same olive tree kingdom. We're in those days now, folks. Who is this Deliverer? Well, David delivered Israel from the bondage to the Philistine and the enemies thereabout. So let's keep on reading here in Jeremiah 33 and 22. As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David, my servant, and the Levites that minister unto me. He's going to multiply the seed of David. That's the corporate body of David, which is the branch that we see is the corporate body of the seed of David in verse 15. Those are the shepherds whom God said he was going to raise up. In other words, Jesus has ruled on the throne of David. But who was David? He was a physical man in whom the Lord lived. Well, who was Jesus? Jesus was the son of man, the son of David, in whom the spirit of the son of God lived. What is this David that he's multiplying in these days? Well, once again, he's talking about physical men in whom Jesus lived. Who is it that lives in them? That's the bridegroom. Jesus, as the man-child, was the bridegroom. John three twenty-nine. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. What type was Jesus fulfilling here? Notice that the bride and the bridegroom we on the earth. And in our day, the truth is that the bride and the bridegroom are on the earth. Jesus has said that he's going to come as a baby born to a woman. John 16, 21. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour, hour is come. But when she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world he's coming once again in the seed of david and this time it's not sown a natural seed it's sown a spiritual seed because that's how jesus carried on his lineage by the word of god in other words this is going to be a corporate body some people in whom the word of god lives And if the word of God lives in them, then Jesus lives in them. They are the man child in whom lives the bridegroom. Now, how is it that the bride and the groom are going to sit on their throne, which is spiritual, New Testament Jerusalem, for the last seven days before going to the groom's home? Huh? The seven days are the seven years of the tribulation. They are the 70th week of Daniel in Daniel 9 and 27. The marriage feast lasts for those seven days, and the groom is going to be feasting with the bride for those seven days. Once again, the bride is not all of the 12 tribes, nor all of the seven women, or the seven churches of Revelation. The bride is represented by only Jerusalem, and David was the head of Jerusalem, so that makes David the head of the bride. In fact, David was the head over all of the 12 tribes, representing all the church. And we read in Esther, Song of Solomon, and Psalm 45, that the bride was chosen from among all the fair virgins. She's the chosen part of the larger church, and David is the head. He's the head of the bride. Like Christ, is the head of the bride on earth and the head of the larger church company. So once again, The Lord is going to rule in an earthly head and over his earthly body. He's going to multiply the seed of David in these end times. He speaks again in verse 25 about the covenant of day and night. If it stops, then God is not going to do this. But since we still have day and night, then he's going to do it, right? Let's continue to read on here, Jeremiah 33 and 26. Then will I also cast away the seed of Jacob and of David, my servant, so that I will not take of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return and will have mercy on them. In the time when Joseph was the man-child, two years into the seven years of famine, Israel came out of the promised land and into Egypt, where Joseph revealed himself to them he revealed himself to the remnant of Israel who came into Egypt and he told them that there were yet five years left of his seven-year famine. That lets us know that during the tribulation, a remnant of Israel is going to come back and again join in with spiritual Israel in the olive tree. That's going to start happening and I suppose in the second year of tribulation. Now remember, Joseph had a dream about which they were all very jealous. He told his brothers of the dream in Genesis 37 9 through 11 that he had about the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down unto him. He also told them his dream in verses 5 and 8 about the shivs standing all around in a circle and all the 11 sheaves bowed down to his sheep. They were jealous and they were angry. And even his father said, does that mean you're going to rule over us? Well, it turned out that Joseph was right. Joseph became their head. God had spoken to him that he was going to be a ruler over the house during the seven years of famine. That's going to happen again. Nobody can take credit for it because it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. Colossians 27. The seed of David, the flesh, the flesh don't get any credit for what Jesus Christ on the inside of us does. And that's true of all of us. This is a wondrous thing that's about to happen. Throughout scripture, the man-child is likened unto a man every time. And it's never likened unto a woman. In the New Testament, we are told that the head of every man is Christ, but the head of the woman is man, 1 Corinthians 11 and 3. So we're talking about the man-child being the head of the bride because both dwelt in Jerusalem, which the Bible calls the bride in Revelation 21 and 2. The man-child is the head of the bride, but he's a man. In the New Testament, the Bible says, But I permit not a woman to teach nor to have dominion over a man in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12. And then you'll notice that all of the elders that God chose in the New Testament were men also. is that the man-child is going to be made up of the new leadership, the new shepherd, and it's going to be men. However, the bride who sits on the throne of Jerusalem was made up of both men and women. Jerusalem as the capital city was where the leadership over the 12 tribes dwelt and served under David. The city of Jerusalem was made up of both men and women. The types and shadows shows us very plainly that the bride is going to be made up of of both men and women. The man child is going to be made up of men because they are the leadership for the bride and for the larger church of all 12 tribes, or let's say the seven churches, according to this New Testament parallel. And what we see is that God is just repeating history, right? Remember what Ecclesiastes 1 and 9, that which hath been is that which shall be. And what has been shown to us in the letter, though what happened to David in his kingdom, Joseph in his kingdom, Moses in his kingdom, and Jesus in his. Listen, all that is happening now in the spirit. Things happen first in the natural, then in the spiritual. The Jerusalem that we serve is the born-again people of God. The Jerusalem they served represented the natural man, which had to die and be destroyed and decay before God raised up born-again Jerusalem. The members of the bride we're talking about these days are all born-again. Not only are they born again, but Jerusalem represents the holy city. (coughs) Whose people are walking in purity before God and are serving David, their king. Well, what David is that? It's the Lord Jesus Christ manifested in a body. The body doesn't get the credit, nor does the body have the authority. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who's coming to be manifested in his people. First in the first fruits, that's David's body, the man chap body then in the larger body of the bride, and to some percentage, the rest of the people, which we call the rest of the church. Jesus spoke about that too. He spoke of the percentages of 30, 60, and a hundredfold, referring to the fruit of Christ being born from the word, sown in our hearts. He said that they would bear fruit 30, 60, and a hundredfold in Matthew thirteen twenty-three. So we see that in these days, God is just going to fulfill everything he's spoken about in the letter, in the Old Testament. Everything that he's spoken that happened in the natural at the beginning of our covenant. Folks, the bridegroom was raising up the bride to sit on the throne. Jesus gave authority to his bride when he told his disciples that In Matthew 18 and 18, What things soever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and what things soever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He was giving them the authority of the throne. And it's the same today. Are you walking in the authority of the throne? Remember, Jeremiah 3.17 calls Jerusalem the name of the Lord, and that means the nature, character, and authority. In Jerusalem, the people have the nature, character, and authority of the Lord. That's what Jerusalem represents. And that's why the bride was so beautiful. And she was chosen out of all the fair virgins in the kingdom. It's because his name dwells in them. His name is manifested in them. Folks, we're going to be hated of all nations for his name's sake. Matthew 24, 9 says that. And this is so that his name is manifested in his people so that they will run to God as a place of safety so that they will submit to him humbly. Jerusalem had those broad walls for protection. At the time when the beast was attacking the people of God, they ran behind the broad walls of Jerusalem to protect them from the beast. They knew it was a protective place from the beast kingdom. And so it is today. To abide in the secret place of the Most High, Psalms one. To abide in Christ is to run behind the broad walls of the New Testament spiritual Jerusalem. And if you'll read Hebrews 12, you'll find that when the church was a full gospel church, they came to Jerusalem. When they were submitted unto their King David, Jesus Christ, they came to Jerusalem. Folks, we need to climb Zion. We need to enter into the city. We need to be a member of his bride or a member of his man-child because that's the place of holiness. Well, bless God, I'm out of time. God bless you. We'll see you next time, God willing.
0: For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh, Jesus, I trust in you The mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe, for your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in. Face that darkest night, what will be my guiding light? The shining rays of red and white. Jesus, I trust in you. Sacred heart in you, I find mercy seated for all time. Though the rivers rise, I still believe, for your mercy stands and your word is true. Oh, Jesus, my Lord Jesus.